Thank you for choosing our podcast. This is truly an exciting time for City Lights Church, and we are seeing God move in extraordinary ways. For more information on how you can get plugged into what God is doing at City Lights or to financially partner with us, just visit us on the web at citylightsac.org. Stay connected with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us by searching at City Lights AC. Tune in every Sunday as we stream live through Facebook live stream. I'm going to ask you to remain standing. Please stay standing in anticipation of the Word of God this morning. We've been in a series called Get in the Game. Anybody been enjoying here at City Lights Get in the Game series? This morning, though, I felt like God was just leading me in a different direction for our church, and so I just wanted to pause for a moment in that series. And I wanted to just share something with you that I felt like the Lord's laid on my heart on Tuesdays. I was kind of just reading and studying and preparing for some things. Um, I just felt like God gave me a message. It's going to be helpful and relevant and practical, and also an anthem for our church moving forward. So if this is your first time here and you're wondering where are we going as a church, what matters to us, what message do we want to proclaim to people, today would be it. You've chosen a to come. And so I'm going to read some scripture this morning that's from the Old Testament on a new day, because how many of you know God can take old things and still make them new? I also understand that sometimes reading in the Old Testament, if you're not a scholar, is very confusing. And so here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want, you get, I don't want you to get caught up on what you don't understand or, hey, what's going on here? What's happening before? What's the context of what we say as we study theology? I just want you to pay attention to the story and just be open. There's two names in here that you would recognize as Abraham and Sarah. This is a little bit before God changed their name because how many of you know some of us have to start somewhere before God can change us. We have to take a step. So in this scripture this morning, we're going to know them as Abram and Sarah. So I just want you to hang with this for the next little bit of time this morning. And here's the, the word of God this morning. This is Genesis chapter 16. It says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, excuse me, Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Nothing better than a sex marriage on a good first day opening of a building, right? It's not what you think. Hang on. So Sarah said, hey, go sleep with her. Perhaps I can have children through her. And I love this. Abraham says, all right, baby. Whatever you need me to do for the team, I'll do. Somebody's got to do it. And I'm the leader, so... So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This is important. This happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. I wanted to say this for the message, but I want to share it now. It says it's 10 years after he left for the land of Canaan. What you must understand, God told him that he was going to be the father of many nations. Now, a decade later, his wife can't even conceive a child. And I was just wondering this morning, have you ever felt like God spoke something to you, but you've still not seen it come true? Abraham's waited 10 years. He's waited 10 years and he's not seen it come true. And, and now what we see then is instead of surrendering to the promises of God, Sarah is trying to create solutions for God. And I know that there's many people in here this morning, sometimes when we don't see the promises of God come true, we begin to make solutions for our own. But how many of you know if God makes a promise that he's a promise keeper? He's not just a promise maker, he's a promise keeper. Verse 4 says, So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarah with contempt. Do you see what happens when you, when you begin to play God on your own? Not only do you affect your life, but you affect the lives of other people. 
And then verse 5 says, Then Sarah said to Abram, This is all your fault. Men, have you ever been on the other end of that? Your wife told you to do it. You do exactly as she says. And then she says, No, that's not what I wanted you to do. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. I don't know what, I don't know any man on the face of earth that would love to be on the other end of this sentence. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. For the remainder of our time this morning, I want to talk with you about this idea that you can still have it. You can still have it. And before we have, before I have you seated, I need to know, is there anybody out here that's still searching for something? You're still longing for something? You're still needing something? I wanted to tell you today that you can still have it. Before you be seated, I need you to look at your neighbor, including the band up here. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan, but you have a part. Now look, and now I need you to turn to your other person who you like better and say, God has a plan. And I don't know if you're going to make it. I'm kidding. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. You sound amazing. Sound amazing this morning. God has a plan, but we have a part. God had a plan for this church long before I came uh, the pastor of this church. I'm very honest here about my past at City Lights Church that I was uh, into sex, drugs, rock and roll before following Jesus. And um, I was a user. I used people, places, and things to get what I wanted, to get what I needed. And um, I began to see God's plan unfold for me January 21st, 2009. And I began to step out in faith and, and, and watch God provide. And I told you this morning when we, when we first started here at 1030 that God put this dream in my heart for this church August 29th, 2012, almost five years ago. So I wanted to just, and I know this is hard, it may not make sense, but this morning you see a packed out room, but I see the promise of God. I see that God made a promise that if I stepped out in spite of the haters and the naysayers, that God would bring his team together. And I don't know if you know this, but I believe it and I'd lay money on it. City Lights Church has the best volunteers in this community. And so what I saw God saying was, hey, even through your mistakes, you can still have it. You can still have it. And so the message today is for this. I want to tell you this. If, this, if, this, if you don't fall into this category, then you can just check out and hang out. We're going to be out of church earlier than the rest of your friends, so you'll be able to beat them to the restaurant, okay? That's why we started. But here's the message. If you don't need any hope, this message is not for you. If you're not still longing for something, if you're not trying to get over a regret or a mistake, this message is not for you. But if you're in need of something to encourage, to inspire, to motivate you to have the life that you want or to overcome something from the past, I wanted to tell you today as your pastor, you can still have it. You can still have it. And I believe that God is going to show that to us through his, through his word. As mentioned, it's been 10 years now since God has spoke to Abram. He said, hey, be the father of many nations. Now his wife, a decade later, can't even have kids. Have you ever felt like God called you to do something that's impossible? Like even make sense practically spiritually logically physically it doesn't make sense and that's where we find abram this morning in our story i want i want to uh please take me back to, to verse two again i want to show something to you verse two says so sarah said to abram the lord's had the lord has prevented me from having children go and sleep with my servant Perhaps I can have children through her. Now, there's, there's something interesting here. I'll say this. I know we, were, we do a volunteer service here for our volunteers. We, we meet at 930, do a little bit of worship and a message for them because how many of you have kids down in City Kids this morning? Those people are faithful and teaching your 
a service just for them because we value our volunteers. But I told him, I was like, hey, I know this is like a new day, a grand opening of our building, and the message I'm giving is about sex. So it's like, basically, it's, that's equivalent of like a Jerry Springer message is basically what's happening this morning. But... Um, that's not what this is. In this culture, back then in Abram and Sarah's culture, this would have been very normal for Sarah to prevent her servant to her husband. And then it got me thinking about our culture today. There's a lot of things that seem culturally correct, but how many of you know just because they're culturally, culturally correct doesn't mean they're morally correct? How many of you know there, there's a wrong way to do the right thing? And that's basically what's happening with Sarah. In this. And look what it says. It says, perhaps I can have children through her. Sarah, Sarah doesn't even know if this is going to work. It's basically, I heard one pastor call, it's a case study. She doesn't even know if this is going to work, but she's desperate to find out the answer to her problem because what happened was they did not surrender to what God promised. Nikki, what they did is they tried to create solutions. Anybody ever been there? God spoke, you surrendered for a season, and then it didn't work out, and you started trying to create solutions. What happens when we take things in our own hands? I don't know about you, but I get pretty jacked up and messed up, and that's where my regrets and my mistakes come in. She doesn't even know if this is going to happen. It says that um, she gives Hagar Abram, and he becomes uh, the father of her child. She conceives. It says now that Sarah, basically she's jealous and saying, hey, I don't know why I gave this woman to my husband. He's got her pregnant. Now, Hagar's mad that she's pregnant. And I've been trying to figure out as I'm studying this, what's worse, being Sarah who is barren or Hagar who is burdened? See, because Sarah, Sarah was frustrated because she could not produce something that God promised. And Hagar was frustrated because she was carrying something she never meant to carry. Have you ever been there? You can't produce it and you're not, you, you're not able to carry it. And I just wanted to tell somebody... Did you know that blessings can be burdens if they don't come according to the They can be so here we got the we have these two seeing frustration from the exact same just different scenarios. One's bare, one get both sides. I know what it's like to be a kid and have my mom constantly in my ear telling me to clean my room. But now that I'm a parent, I know what it's like to be on the other side and be frustrated. You know what I mean? Like not have anything left to give and not want to just rub their back, you know? <laughs> I get both sides of the frustration. And I think there's this morning that are very similar to that. I'm not a prophet. I'm not suggesting that women are pregnant in here that can't have children. But I'm saying some of you are barren. You feel like God's promised you something, but you're not able to receive it or achieve it. And then there's others of you. You're carrying something you never meant to, and you're burdened. Can I just get this out of the way really quickly? Because this is what we believe. Thanks for permission, JB. This is what I believe about the Bible. I believe that um, there's, first off, the, the capital C church, we've created this facade that church people always have to be perfect people. That church people have to be great people. And that couldn't be further from the truth because apart from Christ, none of us have anything good in us. None of us. I don't care if you're the wealthiest in here. Your house is the biggest. None of us are good apart from Christ. And so what I believe about this is just like Abram and Sarah, that's who sits in this room today, some messy, jacked up people. And the difference between me and those of you who won't admit it is you're in denial. And so what I wanted to tell you is that as we read this story, there's a lot that you can connect with because God has always used broken people. He's always used people that have made mistakes. I'm a prime example of it. And so I just want to clarify again as we, before we continue that if you're here this morning, you're hurting, you're broken, you're on the rebound, you've been through multiple marriages, you're barren, you're burdened, you can't produce it, you're carrying something you were never going to carry, I wanted to tell you in Christ that you can still have it. You can still have it. 
you can still have it. Take me to verse 6, please. So they've gotten to this argument. Sarah makes this, you know, just I could not be in, imagine being on the other side of the comment. We'll find out who's wrong. And look what Abram says. He said, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Now remember, both Sarah and Hagar are disappointed, but they handle it two different ways. Sarah forces her disappointment onto Hagar, but Hagar flees in her frustration. And I think so many times we do the exact same thing when we're disappointed, when we have regrets or mistakes, we project onto other people. We're sometimes angry and we're sometimes bitter about it. And then there's those of us who just flee. And it may not be physically, but mentally, emotionally, you check out. You don't want to deal with it. You can't, you can't handle it. When it comes to these regrets and these mistakes that we make, and basically that's what we find Sarah saying, hey, I can't believe I... She's basically regretting what she's done. And on the flip side, Hagar's saying, I can't believe I slept with that man. She's regretting what she's done. We all have regrets. We all have mistakes. And so when it comes to releasing regrets, I wanted you to know that God won't redeem what you don't release. God won't, it's not that he can't, okay? But God won't redeem what you don't release. Here we see two women that are bitter and they're arguing and neither one is really releasing anything. One is forcing, one is fleeing, one is bearing, one is burdened. They're just arguing continually back and forth. And I know this morning, I think in my own life, there's been regrets and, and things that I, that I wish I would have done differently. I wish I would have treated my wife differently. I wish I wouldn't have been so hateful to my kid. I wish our volunteers were here busting their butt. I wish I wouldn't have snapped at them. You know, there's just a lot of things that I, that I have regrets for. Some are major, some are minor. But what I discovered in, in Christ is that, Leslie, he can't redeem it if I don't let it go. If I'm constantly carrying that around, then I'm not redeemable. Not that he can't, but it's from doing that. And so I wanted to challenge some of you this morning who feel like you've got some regrets, you've made some mistakes, and listen, it could be about a lot of things. It could be about relationships. It could be about your walk with Christ. It could be about finances. It could be a conversation you had. I wanted to tell you this morning that in Christ, you're forgiven if you confess that to him, and if you'll release it, he'll redeem it. Amen. This is the message that we preach to people. This is our church here, that you can still have it, that God's not against you, that he's for you that he wants to work all things together for your good, and that's the message that we'll proclaim. And listen, that's not the... Pro we've been saying this, and I don't know why it's on my heart again this morning, but we've been saying that's not the prosperity gospel. That's not the feel-good gospel because we know this. How many of you know you can be poor and God still love you? So this ain't the prosperity gospel. I'm not saying... Got some people in the back doing the T-Rex arms. You can raise your hand. Just be honest. God still loves you. So if you'll release that regret, whatever it may be, God can redeem it then, Rodney. But if you're constantly holding on to it, burdened by it, you're just the same as being barren. If you'll release it, God can redeem it. If you'll just let it go. This is verse 7. It says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring. Let me hear for a moment. Of water in the, uh, he found her beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Now here's what's amazing about this. You've got Abram and Sarah and then Hagar. And I'm not saying that Hagar is completely innocent, but when I read this, I was like, why would God go to her first, right? Why would he not go to Abram, the man, and say, hey, you've basically, you've had an affair with your wife. I mean, that's not what they would have called it, but in our context. I mean, I could understand why he would go to Abram first. I could understand why he would have even went to Sarah, because she was the one that instigated this. 
And I'm not saying that Hagar's completely but it's just kind of, I would have made sense to me if he went to her last, right? So why does he come to her first? We'll see. Verse 8. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant. Love, I love this. This, this is what it reminds me of, like, um, do you know the, the story in the garden when Adam and Eve had sinned? They ate from the, the tree they weren't supposed to. They now acknowledge that, okay, we shouldn't have done that, and they're now naked. All these sexual references this morning. Do you remember what God said? Why did, you, why did you eat that food? And who told you you were naked? Do you remember? He says, where have you come from and, and where are you going? Well, this is representative of the Lord. And when I see this, we could read it at face value and say, okay, so God doesn't know where she's going? No, 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 no. Did you know God asked you a question to get you to answer it so you know the answer? God knew where she was coming from. He knew where she was going. But sometimes he asks you the question so that you can speak it. Because you know when you speak things, it comes to life. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, right? If we confess our sins. That's why drug addicts a lot of time have problems saying, I'm, uh, I just use. Because there's power. Did you, there's power when we speak things. I'm getting off on a bit of a tangent, so I'll leave that scripture up there. But if we're made in the image of God... That means a lot of things, right? It means there's power in our words. If the creator of the universe spoke creation into existence, then don't you think that your tongue has power as well? You've got the power of life and you've got the power of death. You can build people up or you can break them down. I love this. She's really so distraught in her frustration, in her burden, in her fleeing, she's only capable of answering part of the question. Look, where, where are you going? Where have you come from? Leave me here. She says, I'm running away from my mistress. Do you see that? It's she's not releasing the regret, so she's constantly fleeing. She can't even acknowledge, Tammy, where she's been. She can only see where she's going because the pain of the past is too much to deal with. She's not released it, so God can't redeem her. She's constantly fleeing. She's missing the blessing that God has for her. And I wanted to tell you this morning... Like I said, Hagar is not completely innocent, nor are we, but we, you, don't always have control, but you always have a choice. You don't always have control over the things that happen in your life. That's not an excuse for you to leave here and be like, I don't have control of anything. I'm just going to go be a maniac and a hellion. <laughs> Pastor said it was okay. That's what he said. But you don't always have control of everything that happens to you. But how many of you know, and just, I need, if you're a son and daughter in here, I need you to testify with this preacher's heart and say amen. How many of you know you can't control everything, but you always have a choice? Amen. You have a way to respond. And we see this response in both of them. They're both frustrated. They both understand they've made a mistake. One is forcing. One is fleeing. And I'm not, I, I don't believe... Um, we just walk through this life like God's a mechanical dictator and he just makes every single thing happen. Like, you know, he made you go to Big Lots instead of Walmart and he made you go to Taco Bell instead of here or whatever. I mean, you have some freedom in that. So I'm not saying that, hey, Gar, and I'm not saying that you're innocent. Don't walk out of here feeling like, well, I'm just a victim of my circumstances. No, I'm just trying to tell you that you have a choice for your calling and how you're going to respond. Is this helpful? This side said, yes, you guys are dismissed. <laughs> We've already taken up the offering. We're good to go. 
How many of you know that we have a choice? Joy in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of my problems, is a choice. I choose. Though I don't always control, I choose. Do you see this is, this is more of just a gospel message? I feel like this is a, a redemptive message of, hey, I'm going to take back what's mine because I know I can... I'm not going to let the choices try to control me. That's how I move forward. And here's what's amazing about this. You're going to see this in just a moment. This angel of the Lord is going to tell her to go back. He's telling her to go back because she's constantly fleeing. Some of you this morning, we, we have this thing in, a, in our DNA and our mentality and our culture that says, hey, forget the past and move forward. How, I don't know if you know this, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Because if you don't deal with it, it'll destroy you. Look what happens. Verse 9. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress. And this is an interesting word. Submit to her Authority. Now, for Hagar, this means physically going back and dealing with the problem. For some of you, you maybe you can't go back to the divorce. You can't go back to the relationship. You can't go back to the. You can't go back to whatever the the, the addiction. Lord knows you shouldn't. You can't go back to whatever it is, physically. But maybe mentally, you can go back and begin to deal with some things. And you say, okay, God, I, I can't control where I, what, what's happened to me now, but I'm going to go back mentally, and I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to cross that off. I'm going to release my regrets so that you can redeem me. Hagar was called to physically go back, but for some of you, it's emotionally. You've got to go back, Jimmy. You've got to go back. Go back. You've got to acknowledge it. You're already a victor in Christ, and then you conquer it. I don't believe in the, the philosophical or the, the psychology of forgetting the past and moving forward. No, 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 no. Because how many of you know that thing will come right back around to haunt you? You've got to squash it. You've got to deal with it. Look at verse 10. Then he added, oh, so here we go, here we go. I will give you more descendants than you can count. Well, this is interesting because she's upset already about having the one. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> but it's a blessing. Verse 11, And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Sons and daughters, are you grateful that in your distress the Father hears you? So I wanted to tell you this, that God will give you the promise even if you cause the problem. God will give you the promise even if you use the problem, even if you are the problem. And here's what's amazing about this. I'm going to try to teach for a minute and see if I can make this all come together. If I can't, you'll be really confused or really smart one. God had made a promise to Abram and Sarah that they would have children. That Abram would be the father of many nations. Sarah, instead of surrendering to the promises of God, tries to create solutions in the problem. And now she gets Hagar pregnant with Abram, and they have a son named Ishmael. Now, all you people that are really good in Southern, pay attention, but don't hang real close to what I'm saying. You'll misunderstand it. Ishmael was a mistake. He should have never, it should have never happened. If they would have just stuck to, are you with me? I don't want anybody like egg in my car when I leave here. <laughs> of course, you won't find it because I'm parked way back there. So 
he should not have been born. They should have just stood by God's plan. Because what happened about 13 to 15 years later was God kept his promise to Abram and Sarah. And they had a son named Isaac. And we said at the beginning, right, John, if God speaks a promise, he's a promise keeper. You can believe it. You can trust it. Even if it's been 10 years, if it's been 20, if it's been three, Nick, you can trust that if he speaks it, you will receive it. It's going to happen. And here's what I love about this, is that in Abram and Sarai's basically sin, they go out and they're blatantly opposing God and He still blesses them. That's called grace, Samantha. If God speaks a promise, you can't get away from it, James. He's a good father. He's not up there with lightning bolts controlling you and dictating you. Know, he loves you. And so they sin, He gives Isaac to them about 13 to 15 years later. So now you have Isaac, the promise, Hang with me. I feel nervous around some of you southern women. <laughs> Ishmael, the mistake, okay? But come on. How many of you know that God uses the Isaacs and the Ishmaels in our life? He uses the good. He uses the bad to work it all together for his good and our good. And so what I want to tell you in this, and hang with me, you've got Isaac, the promise, really Ishmael, the problem, but God uses our mistakes and turns them into miracles. You ever seen it? You made some stupid decision and somehow God worked that together for your good? Not because you were good. Because he's good. And that's the message that we proclaim here. So here's what happens. Go ahead and strike those keys up there, Angela. You sound so good when you do. It gets the mood right. <laughs> so basically, Ishmael was the mistake. But I want to show you something, Tracy and Jeff, that God, he's fixing to turn the mistake into a miracle. And he wants to do the same thing for you today. And this is our anthem moving forward. So here again, if you don't need any hope, just you just continue checking out and thinking about where you're going to eat. If you need some hope, my clock says I have 10 minutes. I think I can finish seven and a half, maybe. Three generations later from Isaac, okay? Ishmael's still here, right? He's still here. Three generations later, so Abram has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob has numerous sons, but one's name is Joseph. So you have Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And just like everybody else, God had a plan for Joseph, just like he does you. And, and God's plan for Joseph was he was going to go to Egypt because there was going to be a famine coming. And Joseph had to store up some grain and protect his family. But though it seemed an interruption, it was really a divine appointment. Joseph's brother basically kidnapped him and throw him in this hole. And I want to show you how God, even in our mistakes, will turn him into miracles. So three generations later, you've got Joseph. God's got a plan for him. Joseph would go on to, to be king of Egypt and save his people and do incredible things. But I want you to see how God used the mistake of Ishmael to bring forth the promise and the miracle. This is Genesis 37 verse 28. It says, so when the Ishmaelites, that is descendants of Ishmael, y'all don't know it, but my heart's like, because I know it's coming and you don't. So when the Ishmaelites who were many not traitors came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. Now look, you're going to miss it if you don't see it. Where did they take him? That's where God's taking him all along. Don't you see it? 
that even in the mistakes that God will turn them into miracles. And I wanted to tell you today that if you have regrets, if you'll release them, God will redeem them. And even in your mistakes, come on, I'm about to get preaching up here in the end, that God says you can still have it. You can still have it, Ashley. You can still have the life you've always wanted. God will redeem it. He'll fix it. He'll mold it and make it brand new. He makes all things new. He come to tell you through this preacher today that you can still have it. And when the lies begin to come in your mind and society and culture tells you no, and even the people around you tell you no, you don't believe the lies. Do we have any sons and daughters of God in here? When the lies speak louder than the truth, when the lies speak louder than the truth, we pray that God would remind us that we belong to Him that we belong to Him. We don't believe the lies because, listen, in Christ, we can still have it. And this is our anthem moving forward. If you miss Sunday, you're going to miss a miracle. If you're here today and it's made a mistake, let God redeem you, release it. Don't leave this facility just attending another service. We don't believe the lies here. We dismiss them because God destroyed them when He went to the grave and rose victoriously like Ellie did this morning. Come on and get on your feet. Get on your feet. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to today's message. We'd love to stay connected with you through the week. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at City Lights AC. Thanks again, and join us soon.